Welcome to Conversations with Maggie Lenz. That's me. I'm your host, a photographer obsessed with helping women lead unapologetically. On this show, you will hear not only from me, but from other amazing women who inspire me and are making a difference in the community. What does that mean, leading unapologetically? To me, it's leading from a place of authenticity without apologies. In other words, not seeking approval for being yourself, what you care for, and value. My goal with this podcast is to inspire and help women develop powerful confidence in themselves and recognize the value we bring to the community and the world as a whole. Whether you are a stay-at-home mom, entrepreneur, pursuing a career, or growing your business, we are here to build each other up. We are bilingual speakers and want to bring value to both the English and Spanish-speaking communities. Some shows will have a Spanish label when we have a Spanish-only speaking guest. Let's learn and grow together. Hello and welcome back to the show. If this is your first time here, thank you so much for tuning in. My guest today is Christine Woodward. She supports challenges and empowers women through her consultancy, 19th and Co. Christine and the team of consultants helps businesses to grow beyond their comfort zones. Her focus is less about services and more about the partnership they deliver to their clients that help unearth each need and pushes each client's dreams over the finish line. To further her mission of empowering women, she launched the UD Project, a mission-driven training program for women to level up in their confidence. Confidence is a skill, a skill that each of us deserves. We simply need the tools to acquire it. Hi, Christine. I'm so happy to start this conversation with you. Can you please tell the audience a little bit about yourself and what are you up to these days? Yes, thank you. So nice to be with you, Maggie. Um, it's, uh, you know, some interesting evolution of what I have been up to these days. So um, I think as you and I were previously talking, having my background in architecture and interior design um, for the last 15 years, it just very naturally transitioned into the operations and the business of design, which has been very exciting, but is a very rare case to have a designer move from design to the operations of design. So, um, you know, while working with design firms, that's what I was doing, um, shifted uh, from design director to director of operations, and then decided to really, you know, take a leap and do it out on my own for many other design firms. So that's how I started my consultancy uh, and then brought other women under the umbrella and launched 19th and Co. So it's a great place for women to be able to practice their craft and their expertise, but with solidarity. So having so many other women, you know, going through some of the same things and having a lot of the business aspects taken care of. So 19th and Co is our women led consultancy. Um, and it really, you know, from the consultancy where I found so many of my clients and at the heart of so many of their um, needs was, was confidence or a lack of. Mm. And so uh, that's really where the passion project, the Judy, what's, what's called the Judy projects was spurred from. Um, and, you know, it's just been this incredible journey so far you know, we've gotten webinars and uh, workshops going, and I just really see the, the future vision of this being, uh, you know, something of a training that's um, in, and I'm sorry, did I even say what the Judy Project what is? <laughs> it is a <laughs> training. I was going to go there of, next. Yeah, but... sorry. It is a training of confidence. So it's skilling up in, 
in the skill of confidence. And you know, what I really envision is having this training program for confidence to women you know, in elementary schools all the way to senior care living facilities. It's just something that um, every woman needs no matter her age. I'm going to jump right off because um, one of the questions that I usually ask people is how do people find confidence? When did you decide to open your business and what age did you start your business? Yes, thank you. It was um, so I did just turn 40 May 1st, but I opened it two years ago. So uh, late 30s. And it was certainly scary. It was this idea of you know, who am I at this age to be t taking such a change? Um, you know, my education, I have a master's in architecture. Uh, and I did just start also about a year ago now, um, the MBA program at Johns Hopkins. So I'm mm. really reinventing myself at 40. It really wow. has been this incredible journey and this adrenaline rush, I could say, <laughs> which is what I, uh, I think I'm addicted to. A bit. <laughs> I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie, but not in the jumping out of a plane type thing. I love it because when I was uh, previously talking to you and I mentioned that I, you know, like I'm doing this project for the 40 plus women opening businesses. And you mentioned that a few years back, you opened your business. I was like, oh my God, you're so perfect to talk to <laughs> yeah. because either you are too old to start something or you're too young to start something. That's right. Especially so, as a woman. Right. Yes. Woman, yes. Right? But whereas when you're uh, an older gentleman, you're a seasoned expert. Right. right? It's, yeah. it's like crazy. Let's talk a little bit about what is the real function of a small business owner or solopreneur for somebody yeah. starting out? Yes. Um, obviously, for someone starting out, you are everything. Um, and I'm certain those individuals listening who are in the midst and the weeds of it, it does feel <laughs> like you're a bit drowning every day. Um, but I'd like to reframe that and, you know, see it less as in the weeds or drowning and more just that adrenaline rush of you've got so much to do. And that's, that's a great problem to have to be able to have so many ideas that you want to move forward. And it's really just prioritizing those. Mm. Once you start to get some momentum and really kick off. So there, um, I'm going to take a step back. There's growth um, trajectories for a business. And, and you can really see this when you look up er, uh, startups, but it really mm. is, there's what's called early stage. And that's what I was just talking about in the weeds, drowning feeling <laughs> sensation. <laughs> then yes. there's the growth um, stage. And that's really where you're feeling that momentum still in the weeds a little bit, right? And then there's the maintenance and that's where it starts to plateau in terms of it being a graph. And then it starts to plateau and almost dip down. And that's where you might be exiting and there's almost a dimin diminishing return uh, or, uh, effect. So, you know, once you get past that early stage and you're in the growth where you can kind of <laughs> come up for some air, I would say to answer your question, the role of the owner of a business is to be a conductor. Um, to even though in the early stage you're the one actually you know doing the day-to-day -day, uh, tasks, if that's a design firm, you're actually conducting the design of it. You're doing the design from drawings to selections to you know uh, client meetings, everything, taking out the trash mm -hmm. and cleaning the windows, everything in between, right? And um, once you get to that growth stage where you've maybe hired one individual and you're able to pass that on to that individual your goal is to try to make yourself obsolete. So to be that conductor, have the high touch to it, but pull yourself out. And I think the most 
difficult thing for an owner as they move through that that path of the growth of a company is to remove yourself from that day-to-day because mm-hmm. it feels so natural and it's hard to relinquish control. Yeah, but, it's that delegating. Yeah, the delegating. Thank you. Yeah, that is absolutely the goal that every, for the most part, everything should be delegated. Um, uh, that's an oversimplification, but so much of what I do is taking inventory of what the owner does do and identifying what that what should be removed from their plate and, and delegated and what should remain. And then what we can open up, um, you know, to allow them to have more time with their family or diversify their services, uh, growth in, in so many other ways in their life. Right. And, and it's what you said about prioritizing, because at the beginning you have so many ideas. I know, um, me as a photographer, I want to do so many things that just, uh, prioritizing and just doing that one thing that everybody talks about, you know, it's so hard, especially when you're starting out. So how can somebody like start prioritizing and, and just, you know, like focus on one thing? Cause that's yeah. really hard at the beginning. It really is. And you know, it, it's not only the decisiveness, which takes confidence, right. it's not only the decisiveness <laughs> to just, you know, to conclude which one you should start on, but also, um, the confidence behind that. And I know that kind of sounds like one and the same, but let me explain further. So there's definitely the funnel effect effects. So you've got so many things you want to try. And I do actually encourage to, you know, if you've got five ideas, try to move three forward in a very light way and try it on is essentially not necessarily wait for what gets more traction. It's really, so you can try on and imagine yourself going to a store. You look at something hanging on a rack and you like it. It resonates with you. You keep thinking about it, but you won't know until you actually go into the dressing room and try it on. And in fact, I even would say until you actually take it home and try it on, because when you're in your reality of your home, it's very different than in a dressing room. So if you can think about it that way, um, so I would take a week and try each of them on figuratively and, and uh, physically and actually do it. So if it's, uh, for example, you know, trying to start a business, start talking to people about it. And, you know, you're, you're looking at, you're exploring this. If it's a store, go call uh, realtors and ask how much spaces are that you may have seen were available. And this is not because you're going to get it. This is again, prototyping is what we call it in, in design thinking. Um, And it's really just trying that on. So that's where the starting point is. And so once you've tried those on, then the, the natural instinct of which one to prioritize will bubble up to the top. Yeah, that is true. Because um, like when I was starting out with the photography, it's like, okay, do weddings and do newborns and do um, events and do, you know, so many in art. And I was, that's a good example. And so my suggestion to uh, align it with that would be find a client that's a baby, you know, to take pictures of baby, find one client to take pictures of of weddings, and then see which one feels like the most natural fit for you. Yeah. So you dabble. Um, But if you don't start the thing is, I feel like so many individuals are waiting to, um, you know, do pros and cons and lists or think longer about which one to start diving into. And again, like the reality of having your piece of clothing at home, you won't know until you try it on in your world, in your world. And is that when people get stuck and they don't take action? Then they're paralyzed, right? So which one do I do? I don't know. I can't make a decision. Oh my goodness. There's too many to do. And again, it's literally dipping your toe into it. Just try one of each. Um, in the case of your photography, that's a great example to, to you know, have that visualization. Yeah. 
Right. And by the way, if anybody wants to try newborn, please safety first. It's not as easy as people think that you're just going to flip a baby. <laughs> There's oh. a lot of safety things that you need to go through I had before, <laughs> before you grab a baby. <laughs> yeah. So did you decide on which one? Did you tr test them out? And yes. I, you know, like I love talking to women and um, empowering women and personal branding uh, found like a little more, it resonates with me yeah. more because I get to talk to the women and not to say, you know, like I do contemporary, but I also do art. Right. So that right. I do it on my personal time and I do exhibitions and galleries, which right. I, I love, but my heart is with the, uh, right now it's with a uh, personal branding. And, nice. and business. And yeah. that's why I get to talk to you today. <laughs> I know. And well, and I can't, you know, well, specifically about photography, but I can't help, but uh, also some, a woman shared with me at one point um, in my career, you know, this, this concept of being some version of right and some version of wrong when you make a decision. So just expect that again, it's going to be some version of right, some version of wrong, yes. no matter which decision you choose. So just take the leap and make a decision, take action, because right. that, that's yep. how you build confidence, correct? That's right. That's right. That's what we teach. Another thing that I, I love talking about is mindset. So yes. how can somebody that is starting out can change the mindset from I'm an employee to now I'm a business owner, because that will make a big difference to grow your business. That is an incredible I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. That's something that doesn't get brought up much because that transition is a very hard one. Um, I think if you've already always had the entrepreneurial spirit, maybe not too much of a problem for you. Um, but yes, that mindset from employee to business owner is a huge shift. And what I think is important to understand is when you're an employee, the great thing and the, the nice thing, which I think everyone leans on is that the work's kind of handed to you. There's less need right. to self be self-driven. Um, that might not be the case for everyone. Of course, some might be more so than others, um, but it is creating that structure for yourself. And so know that you're going to fumble a ton when you make that transition. And I think the mind shift that to answer your question, the mind shift is really allowing yourself that grace that you are going to fumble just over and over and fail miserably on that topic every day. And um, there's a book out there called the one thing you uh, actually yes. don't you don't really need to read it. I will just tell you because it's quite simple. <laughs> and it really is just that when you wake up in the morning, you know, numerous times throughout the day, and I learned this in architecture school, it's, it's having a sanity check that are you spinning your wheels? Mm. Are you working on the one thing that will, you know, reach the goal of the day, the goal of the week, the goal of the month, the goal of the year. And it's really identifying those things as well. So I think staying organized, but again, all of these are how to, I think the mind shift is just give yourself grace. You're going to fumble a ton. Oh my goodness. Yes. I think I had it backwards though. When I was an employee, <laughs> I saw myself as the employer. <laughs> oh, that's so right. I, right. Which is when you knew you needed to be out on your own. So yeah. I was like, I always had that issue and everybody, oh, you're so bussy. And I'm like, no, I'm not. I am. <laughs> So I think that was my biggest problem. So I, I love asking you this no, question. No, not a problem. Not a problem. We as women need to remember that when we call our children or anyone bossy, do you say that to about a man? No, That's absolutely. True. And I think the response should have been or could be the next time any one of the listeners gets told they're a bossy, you know, no, I'm, I'm a leader. 
You know, yes, I think I'm just I playing a leadership it. role. And I would, I would challenge everyone to push back and say, you know, does the next man that comes through that does the same thing I do, would he be called a boss? You know, would he be called bossy? And I think yes. we as women, as a community, need to reframe and support each other so that when someone is acting bossy, mm. they just need to be reminded it's, she's just, you know, she's trying to bubble up as a leader. Yes. And, and oh my goodness. I love it. And it's the same thing when uh, we tell children to be quiet because they're talking too much. They're just right. curious. They're learning. Yeah. Yes. And right. There's a time and a place to have that conversation. And I think that's the angle that we come at with our children, as opposed to mm. just stop talking so much. There's, these are great questions, but right now we're in church <laughs> or right. we're at a restaurant. this isn't the time, <laughs> but I'd love to hear those questions later. Yeah. And you're just teaching them there's a time and a place, but keep that curiosity going. Exactly. Oh my God. I love it. Um, now these two next questions. Um, yeah. It's going to have a point uh, somewhere in, in the business world. What is your perception of beauty? That is a broad, big question uh, and a tough one. I, I struggle with it daily. Absolutely. No uh, way. I, yeah. You're a beautiful woman. <laughs> That's very kind of you. Very kind of you. I, uh, I think, you know, we all do, whether you're Heidi Klum <laughs> or you're not Heidi Klum, uh, which is the rest of us. So, you know, I think there's this tendency to want to be what you aren't, right? Mm. Of course. I, I want the lanky gala dress wearing body, you know, the Heidi Klum, <laughs> you know, uh, but I'm a muscular fit athletic build. And I think it's just owning that and understanding like I'm going to make that the best I can make it. Um, and, and something that I've learned from, I, I do have a trainer now for the first time in my life, mm. do know that that's a splurge and something I've not done in the past. So I'm, <laughs> it's kind of that idea of self-care isn't selfish and I'm trying to own that. And so her thought process, which I think is amazing, she's actually getting her PhD right now as well, is you know we try to meet our highest expectations of what beauty is And then we're working toward it. And we just wait till what we're working toward meets it as opposed to bringing down our bar of what beauty is not to say that that ultimate goal isn't there, but having it meet it along the way. And it's basically back to those tiny victories um, and, and giving yourself a pat on the back. And, you know, beauty is so much about the genuine authenticity of what's inside of us. Oh my God. Yes. So now Um, with the body image issues uh, that we all go through. Um, either you're young and yeah. you're not tall enough, you're not smart enough, you're not something. Um, do you believe that that has something to do with um, the self-value and stopping people from achieving their goals? In yeah. Business? Yes, right. I think it's it all ties back to the the self-talk, right? What we say to ourselves, who, how we treat ourselves. And I am daily working on this. I have a habit of beating myself up really, you know, uh, berating myself for anything that I do. Not that I'm not okay with failure. Failure is absolutely an okay thing. And I'm grateful for that attitude I have toward it. But when I do fail, there is a lot of dwelling that happens. And so mm. my resiliency to bounce back isn't as quick as it could be. Um, and so you know, to just get back to what you were talking about, when we are taught when we're young and it's so much about beauty instead of smarts when we're younger, mm. young women, then it's so much focused on our beauty. And if we can't reach that, 
then it, that's the starting point of that lack of confidence and it just ripple effect into everything else we do. So as you say, as a leader, into, as our, you know, as we're business owners, um, don't think that your attitude toward your body you, is, an, is an isolated experience from what you could be in your professional world or even your personal world outside of what you think. It's this holistic, you know, it's this single entity that needs to be fostered and cultivated and, and given some tender love and care. <laughs> right. So what will be some of the strategies um, you use to help women, especially women in their 40s and 50s and beyond? Because there's women at 63, there's this lady that started her photography business and she's been very successful um, to build confidence and position their personal brand. Can you talk a little bit about also the Judy Project? that you touch on at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, two, one thing to say just so succinctly for any woman who's, you know, I would say any age, but especially as we get older, because our culture doesn't allow women to age, um, <laughs> I would ask you to um, question the little demon inside that says, why me? You know, who am I to do this? I would ask you to refute that and say, why not you? So always respond with that response when you have that, why me, who am I, you know, why not me, first of all. And then secondly, remember that you bring to the table so much expertise with your seasonality, with your age. That's an amazing, you're already an expert in whatever you're doing. And then, okay, well, you're going to ask me, well, Christine, I'm, I'm switching careers. You're still an expert from what you did have experience in to date. So try to weave that through your story, A, for yourself so that you can have the confidence that you know your backstory still informs your future story and makes you the expert and the perfect person for why you should be doing what you're going to do next. That's amazing because, and it goes back also about what you said about that pat in the back. Do you, how do you feel about celebrating small wins? Because people oh. just think about the big things that we need to celebrate, but I think celebrating the small ones, it's important. Absolutely. And it kind of gets back to what I was, um, you know, when you're working out and you're trying to lose weight or something, you know, I want to lose 20 pounds. You should celebrate that, that single pound along the way for sure. And I think that's a great analogy, but in terms of your business, just the smallest nuggets of hope. And I actually think, I, I visualize it like a bread trail, uh, you know, like a Hansel and Gretel, although it doesn't lead to a woman that's about to eat us in the house. But, you know, I, I imagine it's this trail that all we need is more bread to fuel us along our journey. Well, the only way we're going to get those breadcrumbs is if we keep that momentum going and the smallest of breadcrumbs can keep us fueled. And I, I always visualize those as nuggets of hope and just the smallest nugget of hope can fuel you to your next you know, stepping stone. And I really do see them as these stepping stones in this meadow that's leading you to this beautiful space that you keep visualizing. I love how you use the stories and <laughs> <laughs> to visualize your business that it's, that it's um, amazing. Yeah. So much of actually what we do train is visualization. If you can't visualize yourself, you're not going to get there. You need mm -hmm. to see yourself. And even the, the most prolific and successful uh, athletes do the visualization mm -hmm. technique. So that's something that we help um, coach as well. Do you use vision boards? Vision boards. So yes, you know, we don't actually formally do that. I do say that that's one thing to do, but I can't tell you how much I, we actually have our clients close their eyes and have that visualization and tell us 
What does it smell like? What are you wearing? Mm. Who's in the room? What are some of the things you're saying to the individuals in the room? We're actually, I think even more so, we're, we're acting it out. I, I do have my clients act it out. It's very uncomfortable in the first times, but it's this dry rehearsal, this dry run um, dress rehearsal for what will be the future. And if you don't, tr- again, try that on physically, the, the, the mood boards are great. The visual boards um, are great, but I still think it's not as far as you need to go. I think it's a key element, but you need to act it out. Yes. And, and I've tried like the visualization and vision boards. I have visions board all over my house. Oh, great. <laughs> I have sticky pads all over. I can, if I can just take a picture and show you, <laughs> like it's, it's all over. Uh, when awesome. I wake up, there's something in the mirror, um, in the bathroom. My kids are like, mom, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, but I would, I would challenge anyone who's at that same level of of physical reminders in their environment, which we do train as well to have a physical reminder. So you, cur- you cer- certainly have that, but it's also going out and telling, and I encourage our clients, uh, one of the phases is go out and tell five strangers and five individuals in your, li- your personal life that you know, what you are embarking on. Mm-hmm. And the story will change for each of them. And that's okay, because you're trying it on, but you have to say it out loud. You have to say it to other people with you having the, you know, limiting to the physical reminders, it stops there in your home. Where is it outside of your home? It's almost like that's really daring dress that you want to wear that you put on in your closet. You need to wear that dress out on a date, you know, or out with your girlfriends. You need to do that. And that is what this acting out and and telling individual other people does. So what happens when a client of yours comes back and, t- and says, you know, like I told um, a few friends or family members and they said all these negative things because some, sometimes we feel like they, they hold us back, right? Yeah. Um, but how, yes. how do you shift I'm that? I'm really <laughs> glad you asked that. That is such a great point and something that does need to be um, kind of warning, a warning for everyone that does embark on this next step of, of uh, vocalizing your ideas you're also going to take inventory. You will have the people in your current life that will react differently because you are kind of evolving into a different person and they're not used to that. So A, it's a discomfort for them. And they're like, what, who are you? (laughs) So give them another try, but you also might find after a couple tries, they might not be the person you go to for this kind of very sensitive and they're not the safe individual that you need to go to. That doesn't mean they're not great for everything else in your life. It's your spouse. If it's your best friend, that's okay. You just need to basically go test drive your friends and which one fits you. Fits <laughs> you drive. Topic. Yeah. So go take some test drives with your friends, strangers. Again, they might react a little funny too, but I'll bet you the only reason why you mentioned it to a stranger is because you found that common bond and you're like, me too. And then you right. dive into what you're getting into, right? I actually think the strength, I have had my friends and my family members critique me, <laughs> trying to be constructive, but that I tell more to more strangers than I do to my family. The black it's- sheep, right? <laughs> yeah, it's great. So um, yes, it will be harder to tell your friends and family, and but do expect that there will be some pushback. Yeah, that, that's why when people say, no, you find your tribe, doesn't mean that um, you're going to push away your family and friends. It's just that right. you're going to find, like, for different things, uh, yeah. 
you know, like your different little groups. Yeah. And it may be a networking group. Yeah. Whatever mm-hmm. it might be. And it may not be your current friends and family and that's okay. Uh, yeah. Right. That is a tough one though to experience, but do expect it. And that's the biggest thing too, is just expect it, expect the failure, expect the pushback. I love it. This next question is something that I'm very curious about because a lot of people stop from trying a business idea because, um, all the limitations that we see outside of ourselves. And um, for example, right now I am looking at you, you seem like a very successful person. And then I'm like, ah, but that's, you know, that's her. Like she doesn't have any problems. She's a successful business owner. So I want to learn from you, like right now at this stage of your life, being unapologetically you to me means being true to who you are and what you believe in. In other words, not seeking approval and uh, to show up authentically in order to blend in. Is there anything you are going to stop apologizing for or something that you stopped apologizing for that helped you level up in your business or to take that leap of faith to open your business? Yeah, you know what? I First of all, this makes me want to cry, this topic, <laughs> right? Because as women, that's all we're doing is apologizing left and right. You name the topic, we're apologizing literally too. Oh, I'm so sorry, right? <laughs> Literally saying, I'm so sorry. Um, and I would have to say something that I struggle with again daily. We all have struggles, apparently mine are every day as well. Um, and the biggest one, and it is one that can crush me, right? It's my kryptonite. I think that's the thing that takes Superman down, right? <laughs> it is, um, and it is, it is this idea that jumping from one you know, career or one company to the next Mm. quicker than the next person. Uh, I have always been apologetic about it. And that when I took the leap of faith and, you know, I have a master's in architecture. Why wouldn't I stay in architecture? That's what I'm supposed to do. Uh, it's, it's kind of like we, we get told or we get asked, what do you want to do when you grow up? Assuming we're going to do one thing. Right. And you know, I, I've had another host, um, ask, you know, I've done so much in my background. What's that common thread? And my question back was, does there have to be a common thread? And that's what I have most recently been unapologetic about, Hmm. even though there's actually a great common thread throughout it all, certainly, but I don't even want to share that because I want to say, even if there isn't a common thread to everyone listening, if you feel there's no common thread, even though I guarantee you there is because you're the same human being and just by human nature, you're going to have that common thread. So when you're moving and you're going from being, uh, what is it? I don't know, working as a nurse and you want to go own a restaurant, right? Let's just go as far as that. There is a common thread. And you know what I could guess right there? It's taking care of people right there. There's a common thread. But again, we're not looking for the common thread. All I'm saying is don't apologize for the shifts or the experiments that you want to run in your own life. You know, Helen Keller said, if, if, um, life is either daring, you're either daring and, and life is an adventure or it's nothing. And I truly believe that. Um, take that leap. What, excuse my French, but what the hell else are we here for? Of course, financially, you have to think of all those other things, but if you've already thought about it and to the outside world, you're thinking, who am I to either A, do it, or what will people think because this discrepancy in what I was doing before and what I'm going to do, stop apologizing and just live your daring life and have a damn good time with it. Oh my goodness. I love it. Drop the mic. (laughs) (laughs) 
thank you. That was one of the best questions I've ever been asked. So thank you. What tip will you give somebody to stay true to themselves? Yeah, you know, this is one activity that we do. And this is actually the first activity that we start out with in our confidence training. Um, And it goes back to trying to reframe our thoughts. Well, we can't reframe our thoughts unless we don't have that foundation of values that we live by. And how wild is this? I mean, before I even created this curriculum, um, I hadn't even taken my own inventory of my values. And what I do want to point out too is your values are what you currently have and maybe practice. You also might have some that you want to get rid of, which you'll realize (laughs) when you take inventory, but also the aspirational values that you want. And one of, uh, in, in some beta testing that we'd done a while back, you know, someone asked, can I, can they be aspirational? Can they be values I don't currently have? And that's absolutely what we're trying to strive for. Um, you know, so to stay true to yourself, I'd, I'd like to push back on that. Who is that true to yourself? I, that implies that we are this, you know, uh, singular person and not this mm-hmm. ever evolving. And I would really like to see yourself as this ever evolving person. So even when you take that inventory of values, that you currently have or want to have next week, those will change and that's okay. So the staying true to yourself is actually allowing yourself to evolve, not apologizing for it. Um, and, and, but, it, but again, taking inventory as you evolve so that you can feel okay about that evolution. Is that never ending um, growth that yeah. learning is always, you know, you never stop learning. No, absolutely. And I know that sounds like, well, so what am I supposed to go do, go back to school? You know, God, it doesn't have to be as that extreme. Right. It, could be, it could be pushing yourself to go try a new sport or, you know, I usually walk, uh, you know, to work out. Well, pick up your feet a little quicker and start running or something, you know, like learn to learn how to run. Um, but it's that act of learning to learn or that, that getting comfortable with constant evolution. Yeah. And when you said that um, constantly evolution, you've reminded me of a Dr. Wayne Dyer. I don't know if you know him. Um, He was a spiritual teacher and he said, um, we're always evolving. I'm not the same person as I was yesterday. I'm I'm a little older. Something is falling. I don't have hair. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know what? And too, there's uh, a researcher that talks about this in terms of our culture. So morality is evolution is is evolutionary so um you know back in the day when we had slaves there was some people that thought slavery was okay now of course it's absolutely absurd we would think that was ever okay but honestly there's an there's an evolution to morality even as a culture on a whole as you know as we are on this planet and that's evolving so if you can think of a, a world of that many people can evolve in their morality, how could we not assume that we would evolve in our, you know, single little bubble um, as we are a single person? So expect that you will and hope that you will, because my goodness, if you are the same person as you were when you were 20, I would actually think there's some problems with that. So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Christine, thank you so much for sharing so much knowledge in such a little time. I was trying to get as much as I can from you. That's because you're a great question. So I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. I, I really appreciate uh, this time that you have um, allocated for us today. Where can people find you to learn more about you, about your company? Absolutely. I would love to offer my personal email to your listeners. So it's Christine at 19th and Co. 
and that's Christine, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-N-E at 19-T-H-A-N-D dot C-O. And you can see us online too on our website, which is 19thandco.com. That's 19-T-H-A-N-D-C-O.com. Um, and there's, you can also find out more about the Judy Project where we teach and train on confidence. Oh, that's awesome. I love confidence. It's one of my big um, topics. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as it should be. And just so any, everyone knows the, the name of the consultancy, 19th and Co., where did that come from? I get that often and I want to make that clear. It's actually after the 19th Amendment for the women's mm. right to vote, so women's suffrage. So it's a reminder of women making huge strides in our community of, of women to give us the option and choice to have a voice. And now through the teaching of confidence, it's taking that voice and amplifying it. Right. They paved the path for us. That's all right. And our next responsibility is to actually use our voices. But we yes. can do that through confidence. Thank you so much for listening today. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with your friends and family and consider giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or tell us what you think on social media. On Instagram and Twitter at Mayi Lens and on Facebook page Conversations with Mayi Lens. I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you. Until next time, talk to you soon.